0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: Hello and welcome to Sportbox. Here are your headlines today. President Biden hails a productive meeting with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy at the White House as negotiators race to secure a debt ceiling deal before June 1st.
2: We want to be able to come to an agreement. We both agree on the areas um, that we know there's disagreement on. But I think it was productive in the professionalism, the honesty with one another, and the desire to try to find common ground.
1: The Federal Reserve's Neil Kashkari tells CNBC he's open to either hiking or skipping in June, but that investors shouldn't expect a cut anytime soon
2: markets seem very optimistic that rates are going to fall. Now, I think that they believe that inflation is going to fall and then we're going to be able to respond to that. I hope they're right, but nobody should be confused about our commitment to getting inflation back down to
0: 2%. JP Morgan, CEO Jamie Dimon, tells investors he plans to stick around as the boss of America's biggest bank with no short-term plans for retirement. This while he's still energized by the role.
2: I can't do this forever. I know that. Uh, uh, But my intensity is the same. I think when I don't have that kind of intensity, I should leave. A meta.
0: Wow, it's hit with a record EU fine of $1.3 billion over the transfer of user data to the U.S., with the social media giant pledging to appeal the unjustified and unnecessary decision.
1: And we'll be taking the temperature of the European banking sector throughout the morning at the IIF European Summit with EBA Chair José Manuel Campa and the Santander Executive Chairman Anna Botin joining us over the next three hours.
0: Uh, just on a programming note, Karen and I have no intention of stepping down from our role while we're still energised by this position. Well, good, good on Jamie Diamond. you know, like, I'm he looks great for 67. He, we know that a few years ago there was a, a health issue, which thankfully he got over it. If you're energised, do it. If you're not, go home, walk away.
1: Should we be worried about the tenure? I mean, what's the average tenure of senior (laughs) anchors? Of a a news anchor?
0: (laughs) I think about 35 years will be all right. (laughs) A little
1: bit higher, isn't it? Like 40 to 50. I mean, the range is quite different. Well, Jeff's already there. Jeff's already there. So, yeah, he's he's setting
0: a new bar, Mm. new benchmark. Uh, Meanwhile, a high-stakes meeting, we'll talk about Jamie Dimon later, a high-stakes meeting between President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy failed to yield a final debt ceiling deal as the pair wrangled over how to raise the country's borrowing limit before a June 1st deadline. The two remain at odds but vowed to keep negotiating as they met at the White House for more than an hour Monday evening in their first face-to-face meeting. Wow, incredible, since February. Uh, In a statement issued after the meeting, Biden acknowledged areas of disagreement but said a default is off the table. That's extraordinary if that is the case. Uh, U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy also expressed optimism a deal could be reached within the next 10 days.
2: I felt we had a productive uh, discussion. We don't have an agreement yet, but I I did feel the discussion was productive in areas that we have differences of opinion. Uh, We're going to have the staffs continue to get back together and uh, work on base some of the things that we had talked about.
0: Well, I mean, we love a cliffhanger. In fact, we love a cliffhanger so much, I think there's going to be another Stallone movie on it. (laughs) Oh, well, he's, he's getting on a bit, dare I say it. Anyway, uh, this is a cliffhanger, because if they've said we've got 10 days, I'm pretty sure it's the 23rd of May. Um, We haven't necessarily got a chance to. uh, That that, that would take us over 1st of June. Anyway, here we go. In a new letter to Congress, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen reiterated her warning that it was, quote, highly likely her department would run out of cash to cover its debts by early June. If Congress doesn't find a compromise to either raise or suspend the debt limit. Wow. Um, Tenterhooks in Washington, Karen.
1: Yeah, but the market's, I think, uh, somewhat cautious too and not the same sort of level of fear we've seen previously. And I think the view is that we're still going to get there in terms of those negotiations. The market yesterday flat, and that is, uh, again, a hint to that caution you're seeing underlying the markets at this stage. The Nasdaq actually firmer. We had a bounce of half of a percent there. Uh, Some heavy lifting from the likes of Alphabet, so big cap stocks, very narrow leadership again, demonstrated for some of the green that you're seeing on the boards. Communication services uh, very much the leading sector in session. Consumer staples on the other hand was one of the weaker areas of the market the Dow also seeing uh, some softness four-tenths weaker by the trade McDonald's the underperformer there worth noting though we get some fresh evidence as well around the the trajectory for the economy PMI services manufacturing read-in just how strong the health of these areas of the economy will be that'll be key for markets from here and don't forget we've had that language yesterday from Fed speakers about higher for longer and that story that narrative the yeah. That we're not necessarily moving in the direction where markets have been anticipating rate cuts later this year that has just left a few question marks over the market action in terms of treasuries let's see how we approach them. as a result bond markets are anticipating that change but 4.33 the level we're now trading at the short end versus 3.71 at the longer end of the curve to the dollar while well, that narrative from the central bank has put some support a prop under the u.s dollar greenback has been trading firm against a number of currencies across emerging markets. But you can also see, too, again, some of the major plays here in Europe. Sterling is weaker. We are just sliding a fraction, 124.33 the level. We're at 108 uh, and holding on to that on euro-dollar trades. In terms of the yen, the safe haven Japanese yen, that is uh, seeing just a little bit of strength versus the greenback. 138.46 dollar is perched higher versus the Chinese currency. And to oil, let's take a look at the commodities complex this morning. We're stepping up slightly, about two tenths on both trades 76 the handle on Brent, 72 on WTI. But um, natural gas has been one of the moving trades, and you can see this morning down seven tenths of a percent. The Asian markets, the session looks like this. It is finally a weaker one for the Japanese stock market. That is worth calling out as been a series of gains, taking us to the level where we threw 31,000 points yesterday. We've just drifted off that as we've dropped 150 odd points in session, or half of a percent. So some down bid action. The Hong Kong market peeling away by six-tenths and uh, the uh, Shanghai Composite in the same range as we talk about percentage drops here. The Australian market, though, managing just to eke out a slight gain at this stage. So what we're seeing on the opening calls in Europe, Uh, this is the early action. (laughs) There's not much, it's fairly flat. And again, I think this is telling you that this is a market looking for fresh evidence on the uh, interest rate story, what we're going to see from central banks based on inflation, the health of these underlying economies, and of course, that overarching concern now around this debt ceiling countdown. U.S. futures uh, as the clock ticks, so let's just take a look at the picture early on. We are seeing green on the board that is in lockstep, so these major indices are all tilting higher, but the 34 on the Dow, probably an indication that there isn't much appetite out there to jump out of the gates this morning at this early stage. Let's get to Jackie Bowie, who is Managing Partner and Head of EMEA at Chatham Financial. Jackie, thank you very much for joining us. We've traded ourselves to a standstill by the looks of it. What do you think the market wants to see from here?
3: Well, they certainly are looking for some direction that that debt ceiling um, agreement will, will come to pass in the next few days. Interesting that they use the the 10-day, the um, that they would get there in 10 days. I mean, it will take probably two or three days to have it all written up and and, and voted on and actually put through. So um, that seems quite far away. The U.S. government officially runs out of money on the 1st of June. So that's the X date that everyone's focused on. So the market's looking for some clear direction that that date will be met.
1: When it comes to the debt ceiling, Biden has taken a position here that this should be bipartisan. And this is a a strong message when you've got very fractured politics in Washington at this stage. What do you read into the tea leaves in terms of the negotiations on spending cuts, but also the push from Biden to ensure that both sides of the aisle come together on this one issue?
3: Yeah, I mean if you think about the size um of the overall um, sort of ceiling, it's sort of just over thirty-one trillion dollars. And ten trillion of that spending has been in the last five years um, by both parties, obviously Trump um during COVID time and then subsequently from Biden sort of post-COVID. So both parties have been spending a lot of money in the last five years and both seem um, committed to preserving what's called entitlement spending. So the vast majority of the U.S. government spend comes in Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and they want to try and preserve that. So um, I think he's also trying to signal to the markets that, you know, they're both going in the same direction. So hopefully give a little bit of calm that they will reach an agreement.
0: Jackie, I haven't heard that phrase in this current market situation until Karen mentioned it at the wall, trade itself to a standstill. And I think that is absolutely spot on. But in lieu of a debt deal being resolved, which let's be honest about it, it looks like the bell curve scenario. It always did, but um, there were more nerves out there. What are your clients doing? What should they be doing?
3: Yeah, well, I think at the moment, we use the phrase treading water, same thing, um, where there's just not a lot going on. There's been, when we think about everything that's happened at the end of 22 and into this year, massive interest rate increases in all the developed markets, um, you know, a US regional banking crisis to, to add into that, and now this situation with US debt ceiling. So the markets had to absorb and deal with a fair amount of negative sentiment. Our clients, you know, we're advising clients on how to help them manage their interest rate risk. And we've, you know, you've talked this morning about what will happen to interest rates um, for the rest of the year. The risk is that the market is expecting in the US anyway that interest rates will be cut. Um, and I think the risk is that that won't happen. That, in fact, inflation won't come down as much as people are expecting. So we might end up with a little bit more of treading water for the next few months.
0: Oh, well, that, 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 that's going to entice anyone. Here, anyway. Here's another thing that might make people trade waters. Well, John Authors, I think is a columnist for uh, Bloomberg, dropped in my uh, inbox uh, a piece from him today. It says, is the S&P fanged out? And I kind of know what he's talking about when you've got this concentration around six or seven massive stocks as well. They are seeing their valuations uh, flattered by this rally as well. And of course, that is dragging up the overall valuation of the S&P to not cheap levels as well. So here's the question. Is it fanged out, Jackie?
3: Well, you've got to look at how much those stocks had actually underperformed um, when the markets were selling off last year. So part of the, the, the bounce is really just a bit of a relief bounce. I think generally, though, if you've got to look across where corporate earnings are, um, which you know still look reasonably good, um, certainly across Europe, there's a lot of businesses reporting significant cash balances. So that would all give you reason for for why these stocks should should continue to rise. But I would say that the market is hanging on to every single little bit of bad news that comes. So, you know, people are quite jittery. So if this debt ceiling situation isn't resolved by the date, um, that's going to have huge negative repercussions across all markets. Um, You know, yields will rise, the dollar will weaken, the equity markets will fall.
0: All right, Jackie, thank you very much indeed for uh, your insight this morning. Good to speak to you. Jackie Bowie, Managing Partner and Head of EMEA at Chatham Financial. Well, coming up on this show, to pause, or, we got all Shakespearean, I don't even know our producers have read the Shakespeare. To pause or not to pause, that is the question. Uh, we'll have the latest Fed speak as investors prepare for next month's key policy meeting.
1: And for more on the debt ceiling deliberations in Washington, you can check out the Squawk Box podcast.
0: Right, a very warm welcome back to Squawk Box. So once we get over our debt deal concerns, I think there are way bigger concerns out there for the market. I know that sounds incredible when you're talking about the world's biggest economy defaulting, but it looks like it's not going to default. So we have to work on that as our base case and, and then move on. So look. Here's the problem, you've got Jim Bullard there speaking, um, but the fact of the matter is, it's not the slam dunk the market seems to be telling us it is, and we'll come to that in a few moments time, because the St. Louis Fed president, Jim Bullard, he says the Fed may need to hike rates, listen to this market, may need to hike rates by another 50 basis points this year. He says the strong labor market has created an opportunity to tackle higher inflation rates. Bullard said he's just not sure Uh, when in the year hikes will be needed, but warned the central bank needs to quote, grind higher. Yes, he did, he said grind higher uh, to return inflation to target as well. So look, you've got Bullard, we've got a brilliant wall. I'll show you the whole wall in a few moments time, but safe to say you've got Bullard here on the hawkish side as well. Next to him, Neil Kashkari, who is the Minneapolis Fed president. Neil Kashkari says he's open to keeping rates on hold at the next meeting, but told CNBC that would not mean the end of the hiking cycle. Listen to his words.
2: I think right now it's a close call, either way, versus raising another time in June or skipping. Some of my colleagues have talked about skipping. Important to me is not signaling that we're done. Mm-hmm. If we did if we were to skip in June, that does not mean we're done with our tightening cycle. It means to me we're getting more information. Do we then start raising again in July, potentially? And so That's the most important thing to me is that we're not taking it off the table.
0: We're not taking it off the table. And if you think I get overexcited for 6 a.m. on a couple of cups of tea, it's because you're not listening to what they're saying. And it's really worrying me that you're gonna create a market event by not listening to what they're saying. Two more hikes, potentially. We're not taking more hikes off the table. Now, Bullard and Kashkari are seen as amongst the ha- most hawkish members of the FOMC. Kashkari is one of the 11 current members who are voting. Look, we've got look, this board, well, Matt did this board, I think. We've got voting, non-voting on all of them as well. Voting at next month's policy meeting. There've been signs of mixed views. Of course, there's mixed views on the committee in recent weeks. Uh, Fed Governor Michelle Bowman, who should be here. Yes, she is there. She's voting as well, the goodness is for that. Said further tightening is likely appropriate if inflation stays high. Well, what's high inflation, ladies and is gentlemen? It, is it 6%, 7%? 5% is still high, still two and a half times bigger than what the 2% target it should be. Now, uh, Jerome Powell, let's go straight to him. Sorry, Loretta, Thomas, Mary, I'm ignore you. Jerome's here. Right, uh, Jerome Powell said tighter credit conditions could reduce the need to hike rates. Remember this scenario? If, if the bank's tighten credit because of concerns about quality of lending and defaults and delinquencies, then they might not have to do so much at the Fed. That's the, the, the offset argument as well. I think Yellen talked about it as well. But on the more dovish end of the spectrum, you've got the vice... Philip Jefferson, just where I need him to be, uh, said it's too soon to judge the impact of tighter policy whilst the Chicago Fed president, Austin Goolsbee, I actually have to run to this one. Oh, Kelly, Lisa. Right, Austin Goolsbee down here voting again. Uh, Austin Goolsbee told CNBC his vote to support last month's hike was a close call. Okay, so these are the central bankers, but let's get back to an actual banker, an investment banker. We're gonna speak a lot about Jamie Dimon today, but listen to this. Jamie Dimon, CEO of JP Morgan, says markets should be ready for high rates. But listen to what he actually says about how much higher.
2: You're already seeing credit tightening up because, you know, the easiest way for a bank to retain capital is not to make the next loan. So I think you are going to see that. And I think everyone should be prepared for rates going higher from here. You know, that if that five percent is not enough in Fed funds, if I and I've been advising this to clients and banks, you should be prepared for six seven please i i just fear that you're just
0: walking down a path and you're not listening to jim bullard you're not listening to the, uh, uh, do you know why i say you're not listening because of this show, show, show the ball look at oh, you guys are so good today this is the fed funds ex- futures expectations rate for the end of this year Karen. yeah look at this look at that we're at five to five and a quarter most of the market thinks we're going to be at four 50 To 475 basis points. Some of you think we're going to be 425. A lot of you think we're going to be 475. That is not what the Fed is saying. That's not what Jamie Dimon's saying. And this is why I have my concerns about we're creating potentially a market event.
1: Yeah, if you listen to the Kashkari comments of north of 6%, that signals that there could be three to four more interest rate moves, which is extraordinary because, you know, if a pivot and a cutting cycle is priced into the markets. This uh, move higher of three to four suggests we're still very much in a hiking cycle. So I think the language is so nuanced now between whether we're talking about holding here some sort of a pause or a skip. A skip suggests we're just gonna jump over the next meeting, but we could actually still be bouncing along to the upside. And I think that is extremely relevant for markets. Underlying all this is the assessment of what's taking place. Are we getting to the point where the rate hikes are catching up with the real economy. Is it just taking longer than usual? Is yeah, yeah. there some the lag effect. Cumulative lag.
0: This is what right. we keep hearing. You're lagged and cumulative. Yeah. And so all, at, yeah.
1: at some point you see a, a change in those consumer behaviour patterns and we've seen it in the retail numbers to an extent. There has been an element of change. It's just not fast enough. It's just not dramatic enough given how high inflation has been. I mean the nuances here of trading down that there's more of a focus on buying food products rather than other uh, non-discretionary items or discretionary items. So there there is a real concentration around what you have to put on the table and that is telling you consumers are becoming a little more concerned. Equally we are still seeing a bit too much life at uh, this point on Main Street given the hiking cycle and I think that is the problem. People have been paid a lot more and that's not even just wages, some of it's pensions, some of it's still handouts too in the uh, increases you've seen just to try and mark with inflation. So on um, two sides here you've got people with more spending power on the back of those COVID savings as well.
0: Yes, and, 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 and you, what you've done there is once again, you've said, look, it's, a, it's, it's subtle that you have to look at every individual piece of data, you have to say, well, there's actually some good stuff, there's some bad stuff as well, but the market isn't looking at the nuanced picture. Again, do you know, by July next year, There is a bell curve centre, right at the top of bell curve, centre idea in terms of Fed fund futures, that we have a 30% chance, which is the biggest scenario, of 3.5% rates. It's, again... Look at the epic. We're all told to become uh, economic historians. We're all trying to do what Bernanke did and look back at the 30s. Well, let's look back at the 70s. This inflation burst in the 70s lasted roughly eight years, or the two bursts of inflation lasted roughly eight years. What are we into this inflation burst now? 21, 22, 23. Maybe we're in the third year, arguably, of this inflation burst. Well, to think it's going to go back down to the target, and we can argue about the target being 2%, whether that's erroneous or not, anytime you like, everyone, and that's fair enough, but that is the benchmark at the moment. To say that this inflation inflation bursts that we're seeing is just going to disappear, given the dynamics of the labour market that you were just talking about. It it, it could well do. But the thing is, the market isn't taking a nuanced view with its valuations
1: hugely relevant, though, if you think about the trade around fixed income as well, that it's very much back for many fund managers as a key trade, try to lock in those high yields at this point, thinking we might be perhaps at the end of the cycle as well. But if we see three to four more rate hikes, and you know that scenario is in some eyes an extreme scenario. I remember it was what, several months ago we were talking to a hedge funder, it was actually someone we had in this week was Patrick Armstrong from Claremia. And I was asking him about the scenario if we got to 5% on rates. And he had sort of a shocked look on his face. Well, that's not the scenario the market is pricing in. Mm. And then we're now at 5%, right? We're in the range, we're above 5% on rates. What if Kashkari's view of 6% is actually is possible. Is
0: central for you, though? I, I, I haven't heard Kashkari talking about 6% necessarily. I know that Jamie Dimon saying talking, 6% or 7%. Well, they're
1: talking north of 6%, whether that's possible. Mm. So I think this is quite key for markets. If you are going to get a push higher to 6%, what does that do to the fixed income trade? What sort of losing sure. bets do you have there? What about the uh, big tech names that have been doing heavy lifting on markets this year is that badly placed bets then because you've still got a rate hiking cycle taking place what does it mean for the banks i mean we've seen a real change of psychology around the uh, issues we've witnessed around svb whether that means that the banks now won't have any further NIMS NIMS expansion, but also what sort of pressure does it put on the credit rate environment for borrowers at this stage? If we are going up, and what does it do in terms of destroying some of the the loan book appetite, or loan appetite, so destroying the loan books? I think in multiple different parts of the economy, and I haven't even mentioned the commercial real estate sector at this point, there are huge events that could play out if we are going into a hiking cycle, or continuing a hiking cycle.
0: There isn't a a day that goes by where people aren't talking talking about the strains in that real estate area. I mean, there's a a piece in the FT today I was reading about Manhattan and about how people just aren't returning to the skyscrapers to work. Work from home is a thing. And a lot of young Manhattaners or young New Yorkers can't afford to live in Manhattan, don't want to commute to Manhattan, so are just moving out. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll come back to this uh, if there's appetite a little bit later on. In the meantime, more Jamie Dimon.
1: Uh, Let's talk about the latest from uh, that conference. JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon says commercial real estate will most likely be the next area of concern for lenders. Speaking of the company's investor day, Dimon said he won't affect, it won't affect every bank, but that some properties and loans could be at risk. The bank announced plans to increase its investment expenses to $15.7 billion in 2023 and focus on hiring marketing and technology. Net interest income is also expected to rise by $3 billion following its acquisition of the failed First Republic Bank. Diamond faced questions on his succession plan and said he intends to stay another three and a half years.
2: I can't do this forever. I know that. Uh, uh, but my intensity is the same. I think when I don't have that kind of intensity, I should leave. I don't think CEOs should retire in place and you know, just cut back and take it easy for a while, I think that erodes the whole company over time.
0: Silicon Valley Bank's new owner, First Citizens, is suing HSBC for poaching more than 40 employees from the failed bank. The $1 billion lawsuit filed in San Francisco court, accuses HSBC of engineering a quote scheme to plunder trade secrets and SVBs, top bankers, several of whom are also named in the filing. HSBC acquired uh, SVB's UK arm for a token £1 in March after First Citizens stepped in to save SVB, purchasing up to $500 million in SVB stock. PacWest has agreed to sell $2.6 billion worth of construction loans to a subsidiary of Kennedy Wilson Holdings. Shares in the regional bank jumped on Monday as the stock continued its rebound over the last two weeks, more than doubling from a record low in early May. PacWest said it also plans to sell six real estate construction loans worth $363 million uh, to Kennedy Wilson. Big question for all of us, how many cents in the dollar? I wonder if we've uh, got that information. Coming up on this show, we're going to hear from the European Banking Authority's Jose Manuel Campa. in the next hour. We'll also bring you an exclusive interview with David Serra, uh, CEO and founder of Algebris. Uh, we also will talk to the executive chairman of Santander Group, Anna Botan. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
1: Or join us again on this show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.